Hello, and welcome to The Worst Critics, where we talk to you about the latest and sometimes not so greatest in movies, music, television, and more. Sadly, today won't be a normal episode due to some scheduling conflicts. Uh, we will not be having the review or the weekly show-and-tell catch-up with what we are watching, because, well, whatever, scheduling conflicts. So I will get right to the news, and we'll make it a short one. First off, Haley Atwell is to voice Lara Croft in Netflix's Tomb Raider anime series. We talked about that being announced maybe three or so months ago, back when Netflix was announcing a lot of other video game adaptations. Ethan Hawke to voice Batman in HBO Max's preschool program Bat Wheels. It will include various Bat characters and Bat rogues as sentient cars. It is a preschool program in line with their preschool wave of shows that they're trying to get on HBO Max. I guess since they have Sesame Street, they want to get some more of that audience. Uh, speaking of HBO Max, Helen Mirren is to host the Harry Potter quiz show. I'm not sure why, but she is. Um, I, I'm not sure her relation to Harry Potter, but whatever. That should be on HBO Max, I think, later this year. Keegan-Michael Key has joined the cast of Wonka, that Timothy Chalamet prequel movie. That is apparently a musical comedy now. Uh, he, he joins the cast as an unknown character, but hey, I'll, I'll pretty much watch anything with Keegan-Michael Key, and if it's a musical comedy, you know, that with Schmigadoon, it kind of makes sense that he's kind of branching into that more, uh, but whatever. Tracy Morgan is set to play the long-lost brother of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito in the long-awaited sequel to the 80s classic Twins, aptly titled triplets it should come out later next year production starts this year and i think with the original director too who's directing the new ghostbusters uh something reitman you know rosario dawson joins the new haunted mansion movie uh we've talked about this for the last two weeks now i think owen wilson lakeith stanfield and tiffany haddish and now we have rosario dawson so that cast is kind of a little bit stacked now anthony mackie has been cast in the new twisted metal tv show that we talked about Maybe two, three episodes ago, he's playing a character named John Doe, who was from one of the games called Twisted Metal Black. I don't know. It's really weird that they wouldn't pick one of the classic characters to be a main character. Uh, I'm really hesitant about this show's tone and what it's going to accomplish overall. Uh, it's apparently an action comedy about a motormouth outsider looking for a better life for himself. Uh, but only after delivering a mysterious package through a post-apocalyptic wasteland, which is not really the story to that game at all, but uh, whatever. Disney released a guest star list for the new Proud Family Revival, Proud Family Ladder and Prouder. The list includes such names as Lizzo, Tiffany Haddish, Chance the Rapper, Al Roker, and a lot more. I mean, they put out a tweet of a picture of the guest list, and it's kind of insane. Uh, Gwendolyn Christie has been cast in the Wednesday Addams Netflix series that we've talked about before, Tim Burton, yada yada. Uh, she will be the antagonist slash principal of the school. Not really much known other than that she has a history with the family. Moving on to some new TV and movie announcements, Christopher Nolan's next movie will be a J. Robin Oppenheimer biopic. You know, the creator of the atomic bomb, what have you, you know, you know other things, but uh, that's probably his, his big accomplishment. He was shopping it to other people besides Warner since the whole HBO Max debacle, and he didn't really love that, and he swore he'd go to somewhere else, and now Universal Pictures has picked it up. 
there's more details about this deal, such as the fact that he wanted total creative control, at least a 100-day theatrical window, around a $100 million budget, equal marketing spend, 20% of first dollar gross, and a blackout period where the studio would not release another movie for three weeks before and after the feature. And that's insane to me. Uh, I can only conclude that this was the same deal he got at Warner, but now it's, I guess, proven. Uh, now that, you know, insiders have gotten this information, it's it's just ridiculous. I mean, I guess his movies do make a ton of money. I think Ten is the only one that didn't do gangbusters, but, you know, COVID and all that, who knows what it could have done in a normal year. Uh, yeah, kind of crazy, honestly. Leica Studios has begun production on its sixth stop-motion feature, Wildwood. It will be a fantastical adventure set outside of Portland, about two siblings, and that's about it, other than a little screenshot they showed. Moving on to some reboots and sequel news, Matt Reeves and HBO Max are developing a spin-off series about the Penguin from the new reboot of Batman, The Batman. No confirmation on Colin Farrell reprising his role, but it'll be focusing on his rise to power. So it'll be a prequel series, I presume. Uh, I I don't know if Colin Farrell, how they would do that. Maybe, I don't know. I would assume you'd cast a younger actor. Amazon is reportedly creating a live-action show based on She-Ra, which is uh, He-Man's sister. Uh, she has her own, she had her own pretty successful Netflix show, She-Ra, I can't think of, Princess of Power, something like that but this will have no affiliation with that show at all or the creators of that show, and it'll be solely its own property in its own universe. Uh, Netflix is to release a new... Sorry, a new Bright spinoff called Bright Samurai Soul. It'll be an animated movie that is based around the universe of Bright. It is set in samurai times for some reason, even though that movie was quote-unquote modern day. I... You know, I don't know. I, I guess Bright was a cool idea. It just seemed like a cool way to make orcs a little more human. But uh, yeah, there's a okay trailer. It's got some CG art. I don't know. Looks all right. Speaking of Netflix, Netflix is looking to create the new Luther movie. It was a long gestating movie that's supposed to tie up the show, I'm pretty sure, after five or six series or seasons, whatever you want to call it. I, this movie has been in the making for a while now. I think the, who's the original creator? I think uh, David Cross or something. He's back and he's going to direct and write this too. So, I mean, I'm kind of excited. I'm not sure if I even finished Luther, but it was always a pretty good show. Moving on, Bryce Dallas Howard will direct and produce a Flight of the Navigator remake for Disney+. Plus. This is according to The Hollywood Reporter. This new version will put a girl in the main role. We're not sure if the story's going to be exactly the same. I hope not because... I don't know if anyone even cares about that movie or if anyone who's willing to watch that on Disney Plus actually cares about that movie. I'm I'm really not sure who's that's for. And speaking of reboots that aren't for anybody, Peacock's Punky Brewster sequel and reboot show has been canceled after one season. I'm pretty sure this is the first time I've ever heard of this reboot. Uh, I've... I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I've I blinked it out of, blocked it out of my mind so that I didn't have to think about this. Uh, I don't know who this is for. I don't know who would pay for Peacock just to watch Punky Brewster reboot. I'm not entirely sure. And moving on to some renewal cancellations, Hulu has renewed Only Murders in the Building. That is the new 
Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez show that I've yet to watch, but it seems to be successful enough. Uh, Hulu, Hulu seems to be doing pretty well with their original programming, so, I mean, it's always a good sign. Moving on to our last group of news, Rob Lowe's to make a Parks and Rec podcast or a companion podcast called Parks and Recollection, where he will talk about the show, talk to other cast members about the show, you know, reminisce. I think there was the the Office Ladies, which is the Office companion podcast by some of the cast. I assume this is going to be in the same direction that was. But, you know, uh, I, I think I think John is just a huge Rob Lowe fan, so he would probably be talking about... Uh, certain events in that man's life right now. But uh, sadly, we can't hear that. And last bit of news, Mayim Bialik and Ken Jennings to host Jeopardy until at least 2022. Uh, This is after the last host, Michael Richards. uh, I don't even know. know, He's kind of a blip now. After he got fired or let go from the Jeopardy hosting gig after some past instances of some... um, not great behavior. Uh, yeah. So Ken Jennings, I think he was, he was a Jeopardy champion for a long time or the longest win or the most winningest Jeopardy champion or something like that. I think he's a fan favorite. So this does make sense. And I think people have been liking my Bialik as the host. So you'll be seeing them till at least next year. Uh, there's no word on who will be the permanent host or if they're even looking, or I mean, I assume they're looking for one, but, uh, who they are looking at, we're not sure. And on to our regularly scheduled reviews. We'll start off with the album. That would be Baby Kim's The Melodic Blue that dropped last last week or so. Uh, did you want to start off with anything? You want you want to start off with like good tracks and then we'll actually talk about the album? Switch it up. Yeah, All right. it up just, there's no script. There's no consistency. Freeform <laughs> we reviews, just... baby. Freeform. Yeah, baby. We were, we were doing it. So um, I'll start by kind of just brief comments, then the songs, and we can get into it. Uh, brief comments are, I think Baby Keem has slapped since he first kind of blew the fuck up with, uh, what was it, Orange Soda, right? And then... I believe so. I actually liked Smino's redo of it more on She Already Decided, which we reviewed as like one of our first reviews for this podcast. Uh and then, you know, I've kind of been following him since, and so this is, like, the first big album, um, Awesome Stuff. I think my biggest thing that I like about him, which Kendrick made more obvious, is how much he's like Kendrick. Uh, voice, the kind of, like, unique sound there, and then the production, obviously. I mean, they're fucking cousins for, you know, a reason. <laughs> like, there's just, like, a lot of things that are overlapping between them. They are cousins Kendrick, for a reason, yes. Kendrick Kendrick does it better, uh, obviously. And so I think that that's kind of highlighted in the, what is it, two features of Kendrick yeah, that two. are on here? I think two yeah. real features, and then he uses Right, the and then there's some, voice. like, ad-libs and yeah. shit, but, I mean, J. Cole gets ad-libs, but he doesn't have Kendrick features, so. Exactly. Uh, yeah, um, I, you know, to add on to that before we mm-hmm. get to tracks, I will say Kendrick being on this album kind of... Kind of outshine Baby Keem on those That's tracks what I'm for sure. Kendrick did it better. <laughs> yeah, and that that does it doesn't really take away from the songs themselves, but it takes away from, I guess, my appreciation of Baby Keem's talent, which is kind of sad. But like you know, new Kendrick's new Kendrick, so I'm really not going to complain. Um, what are your favorite tracks on here? Um, so I kind of have like split in my mind as two different things because i think pretty much every feature just absolutely slapped so literally every song with a feature were 
some of my favorites. So then I was like, well, that kind of seems lazy because I think maybe I'm just liking the feature more than the album. So if you separate that, like just Baby Keem songs, um, Pink Panties, South Africa, and uh, Boo Man uh, were my top three. Really? I didn't, I didn't love Boo Man. It wasn't my... Uh wasn't offensive or anything. I don't love it. But uh, I really liked South Africa. At first, I was like, oh, this is hilarious. This is kind of a meme. But then I listened to it three or four times. And I'm like, oh, wait, this is actually pretty that was, hard. That, yeah. was, that was the same with Boo Man. I, I really like that sample in the rec- background, like that flutey sound. It's like, brow, 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 brow. <laughs> that just kept me in the whole time, the horns there. I, I mean, I pretty much agree with you. Uh, I would I would add on 16, the last song of the album, that just very pop mm-hmm. sound. Uh, I'm not sure if it fit at the last song of the album. I'm not sure if it was really a cap off, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, it wasn't. It was probably the most far off from Baby Keem that any of these songs are, and you know it's nice to see that he can step outside his his wheelhouse, his normal wheelhouse, and right. make some good music. That's you know that's not just Baby Keem. Uh, did you have any least favorite songs on here? Any any bad ones? You know. I was going to say maybe 16 just because I didn't like the placement. Right. Yeah. Um, but really, no. Like, I thought the intro was pretty good, even though it was my favorite. I thought Scapegoats was pretty good, even though it was my favorite. Um, it was a little short, you know, and it was kind of just like a random little, uh, what's it called? Almost like a transition song. What's the term for interlude. that? I'm looking for interlude. Thank you. Hey, it was yeah. almost an interlude, but he had bars. Like, he had like a yeah. one little verse in it. So I go, eh, I'm fine with that. Um, Honestly, if we're looking at the features that Don Tolliver, Tolliver, I don't know. Um, that one, Coco, I was like, meh, but it was still like one of the better ones for me. It just wasn't as good as the ones I had already said. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, no, 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 I really don't think there's a bad song on this. It's totally agree. fine or they're really, really good. And I think my biggest praises of the album are that is diverse enough he didn't just get stuck in this like one baby keem sound you know yeah. like kendrick can be on all kinds of production i think baby keem can be on all kinds of production and you know like you said but that 16 it's like super pop heavy sounds mm-hmm. and that's not his normal sound at all but he definitely like fit the bill he was able to keep up you know and not make a weird sounding thing yeah he pulled off a lot of different sounds whether it was uh scars that sounded a very early Kanye, like late 2009, 2010 Kanye, uh, especially with that, that drum track in the background or the beat. Uh, I Obviously, I don't even know if I want to talk about do-rag activity just because, like, if you Such haven't listened to that song, it's good. yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Just listen to that yeah. song. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure why Travis Scott's on that song, but whatever, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter. Hype. I don't yeah, care. That song's, that, that song's amazing. Uh, this this album came off as really heartfelt, and you could tell Baby Keem was trying to pull off a great album. You know, there's a lot of albums yeah. we listen to where <clears throat> their visions either went askew or just went wrong or maybe not half-assed, but it just doesn't seem like they're trying to be the best version of their art, you know? Uh, but this, you can actually, I don't know, it, it gives off that feeling that Baby Keem was really self-reflective and understood what his sound was without being just boring old, hey, I'm going to have the same exact cadence, I'm going to have the same exact delivery, same exact beats, yada yada. Uh, it's nice because, you know, you could compare him to a lot of people, of course, like Kendrick or I'd say even Vince Staples from earlier this year. I think he's got some of that in him. Um 
a lot of he- like heavy West Coast rap. I, I think he's got a lot of that. Um, you know, I the beat selection was good. Like all of his beats were top notch. Yeah, I think the pro- I think the production was immense. And again, I don't know how much that credit is to uh, his producing team, quote unquote, or him being family with Kendrick. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Right, right, right. Like being a are they of, the same uh, team? Right, PG Lang just... or what, PG Lang or whatever it's right. called. Uh, exactly. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I you could even talk about that one song, Lost Souls, which is kind of just very classic rap sound. It wasn't my favorite song, but it just solidified the diversity of this album. Uh, you know, it definitely come. It feels like a journey listening to this whole album through. There's not really a problem. The flows maybe not one for one or one hundred percent amazing. You know, it's not. It's not a 10 out of 10, but it's definitely, it has a flow and it has a rhythm to it. There's, you can tell like why he put songs in the middle and why he put some songs in the beginning. Um, it was really thought out and well done. Yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. Uh, even though it, it may not be my favorite piece of music, it, it's definitely a very, very good attempt at it. Um, you know, uh, you got anything else exactly. to say? Yeah. It was a it was a pure no maybe not a pure opposite but uh, a nice contrast to something like the Gold Link album yep. where a lot of thought and time was put into it but it was made shitty. Yep. This had a lot of thought and time put into it and it for the most part was like a pretty polished product you know like I really don't have any strong complaints so yeah I'm no. down to give it a score if you're ready yeah for sure I mean we're yeah we'll probably keep these reviews a little shorter uh, I wanted to give it an eight ish I could be talked up yeah I was thinking eight five. Um, um, we can do eight five and call it a day. Because yeah, yep. my my only concern here is I'm still blanking. I what I need to do is a little bit of back end prep work. Uh, and now this is a kind of meta podcast analysis here. I need a working list, so I'm going to make an Excel sheet. I think and go through our episodes. I need a working list of what we've given things a score for, so that I can relatively go. Oh, I definitely think this is better than blank. Yeah. If I have an issue with an eight five sound, like eight five seems totally good for me for this. It's recommendable. It's good in my own right. Like I don't think, oh, I would just recommend this because I think it's good. I think it's good, and I would recommend this if that makes sense. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not because it's an artist I like, which you know sometimes you can fall in the trap of things like Mac Miller for me or Smino. I go, <laughs> I mean, Azizi Gibson for Azizi you. You know, there's Gibson, just yes. <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just sounds that you know appeal so well to you that you would recommend it to anyone, even though you know that that's not necessarily a good recommendation. Well, I think um, to make you make you feel better, make you sleep at night easier. Uh, I don't stand Baby Keem. I'm not a huge Baby Keem guy, and this album still right. comes off as an eight eight five. So. If anything, right. I think I think you're in the right ballpark. Honestly, I don't think, right, right, right. <laughs> I don't think you're gauging it uh, inaccurately or anything. Uh, we do need a list, though. That's for sure. Um, yeah, eight five. Yeah, maybe this weekend. Yeah, eight, eight five, five sounds great. Great out of ten, I'd say that's eight five is probably great out of ten. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some somewhere between really good and excellent. You know, exactly. <laughs> whatever yeah, is yeah, that yeah. great? <laughs> really good's probably an eight. Yeah, yeah, and excellent's yeah. probably nine. So yeah, for sure, great. Uh, moving on to 2021's Annette. Uh, do we have a director on this one? Because I didn't care enough to look up the director. We looked it up, actually. We had looked it up because we were... Um, I think it's the it's, guy from the beginning of It's the movie. Leos Carrix, yeah. And so these people... Um, so his real name is like Alex DuPont. He goes by that 
Leo's or Leos Carrix thing, but that's like uh, some kind of like moniker, but they're like a group. They're like a musical group. It's him and this other dude. Um, these like two brothers maybe that wrote it. Um, and they're like all in a band or something. And this whole thing is like this band's weird concoction for a movie. I don't know. We had to do a lot of I reading. I was really that. pissed off. I, I was really pissed off. Uh, yeah. So I want to hold on before anything. I want to start off this review by saying I really liked the first little bit of this movie. I was I was fully prepared. I was like, oh crap! Here's you know a genre I don't really love, but it had this. I think I've said that I said a, a couple days or whatever. Uh, Terry Gillum sound to it, or. Terry Gilm feel to it. Uh, just that surrealism, the kind of the absurdity. I was really into this idea for about the first 45 minutes or so. Uh, See, I'm, yeah. I'm happy that you feel that way because I, I'm, I am interested in us talking about more musicals and keeping those in a regular rotation. So I shouldn't have hated this movie as much as I did, but I guess because I had no expectations and then it started off right away with the musical, and then it just immediately poured into like that weird psychological drama-y bullshit. Yeah, that I was like immediately turned off once Adam Driver, once Adam Adam Driver's character was like actually flushed out. Um, and so that really only took past the first musical number where he's like on stage and he's in his bit and he's fucking basically what is he's supposed to be like Satan, right? Is like kind of the thing because he's like. What's it called? Like the man, the ape man or something? What's the, the ape of God. show? Ape of God. Ape of God. That is like a phrase for the devil. So, oh, okay. and yeah, okay. and like the cigarette smoking and not, there was like, oh, wait, I, wait, it felt, <laughs> hold on. It felt like, well, well, I'm saying like, it just felt like that was just for energy. I'm saying the priest stage that has nothing to do with him being the devil, cigarette smoking. I meant, um, just like this angsty, edgy, like artsy thing that his character was giving off. That was like in the first 10 minutes, and I was like, I hate things like this. This is like so fucking esoteric and like elitist that I was just like, I, it's like the people that turn your nose up to, you know what I mean? Oh, you don't need caviar every Friday at noon tea, you sicko. I, yeah, I, um, yeah, once Marion Cotillard disappeared from the screen, that's when this movie nosedived drastically. Like, I, Hey, did you know her care. prior to this? Marion Cotillard? Uh-huh. Yeah. I realized I knew her, but I never <laughs> knew her name. Yeah. She, like, I, mean, I never heard that name before, and Bridget was like, you don't know this She's person? in Dark Knight Rises, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, today I learned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, yeah. And Midnight in Paris, and fucking Inception, and Public Enemies. Yeah, she's a lot of shit. Yeah, she's mouth. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I don't know how you didn't know. Okay, whatever. Uh, French people, dude. I I only care about Americans, obviously. If they did all their singing in this movie, she's phenomenal. They did. did. She did, specifically her. Because that singing, her operatic singing and her range was just... Like, that was worth the whole movie, just seeing her sing. Um, I'm pretty sure because we had this whole conversation about it because she won a bunch of awards for La Vie and Rose. Um, which was a musical where she was like singing in it. I, so I think, I think yeah, she okay. is a singer. That I mean, that checks out. That definitely checks out. I was hoping that was the case because, wow. Uh, yeah, when she disappeared from the screen and the plot became about Annette, 
uh, that's when this movie started being really shitty and it's way too long. It overstays its welcome. I'm just trying to summarize real quick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> overstays its welcome. Just some, it feels dated. Is that just me? It's dude. It's because the fucking animatronic thing, whatever that actual puppeteering of the goddamn, why was it a puppet? Why was it? A, I don't like, know why. These are questions. I don't sure. even want the answer yeah. to. I don't even want the answer to, cause I hated the movie so much, but I'm like, these choices were just made to make this thing that's so fucking like artsy fartsy esoteric bullshit that you can't talk about it. You know what I mean? Like these people just have to praise it because it's so different and original. Yeah. And I'm like praising originality and uniqueness just for the, its own sake hey, is some I, of like you know, my I, least I, favorite shit. I love to praise something original, but this just ain't cutting it. This is this is just, just not it. Um I I don't know whether the meta self-awareness made it more offensive or less offensive. I really couldn't tell you because it seemed so self-aware of itself that it shouldn't have been this long and shouldn't have done what it did. Uh, when Adam Driver's thing started and they were doing like the stages back and forth, yeah, I was so like disturbed by the silliness of it that I thought it was a comedy, but it literally at no point is this supposed to be comical. Well, I mean, he's a stand-up comedian, so... I know, but... but it, it, It's supposed to be somewhat comical. He's, he's he's like a comedic actor-performer. It's hardly stand-up comedy. He's yeah, but walking he has, around, he he's doing stool. bits, he's like exaggerating. Yeah, I mean, he does like these exaggerated like physical gags, you I know what I mean? I think he's going like, for a comedy stand-up man. It just wasn't... A hundred one to one. Uh, yeah, no, but then the audience is like singing back to him. You know what I mean? Like That's none of his about, things you know. were funny. I'm saying it was funny as like uh, you're laughing at him, not at the things he's saying. Does that I make sense? So. I mean, it's not... like I was laughing at Adam Driver. I wasn't laughing at Adam Driver's character in the movie. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I still think it was still going for a stand comedian. It just happened to be. Maybe it was, musical. but like at no point. In any of the marketing or descriptions that I can find online, does it say it's trying to be comedic? Oh, I mean, so that's yeah. where I'm confused. That's yeah. where I'm like, oh, I just don't, I don't get it, and I don't want to get it. I just don't like it, and I hate the fucking puppet. I don't even want to talk about Annette or what any of it means. I just want to say that you should literally never watch this. Yeah, no I, one yeah. ever listening to this. Yep. I highly this. I swear to you, I think this is worse than Gummo. Whoa, whoa, I don't, <clears throat> I don't know about that. I mean, now my only saying, like the only way I could retract that is that I would allow people to watch this and I would never allow anyone to watch Gummo in my presence. You know what I mean? Like I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, turn that on. I'll just go to another. I'd be like, I would actively prevent someone from trying to watch Gummo because it's just so terrible. I don't know. I'd Whereas probably this tell movie, not to watch this movie too. <laughs> see, this movie, I wouldn't fight anyone. You know, I'd be like, "This is your. You picked your poison. You know what I mean? You you intentionally drew uh, all the short sticks for some reason." It really sucks because, like, like I said, I I was fully prepared to like this for the first hour. I was I was into it. Dare I say that? But Jesus, I it, it just felt like a train wreck that I didn't want to watch. You know, it just was like a oh, boring train wreck. We had even actually vocalized we were going to be way more on board if this had actually spiraled. I thought that Adam's, Adam Driver's character was going to, like, serially spiral. I thought he was going to become, like, a serial murderer. He yeah, killed, like, two cool. people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, and they were kind of just, like, 
acts of like accidental rage, you know? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. he didn't really kill anybody. <laughs> like well, one time he I was mean, really drunk. Yeah. And the other time he drowned a dude because he was, was pissed say, off and I, didn't I want do a secret think out. Technically one of those is probably manslaughter, but the other one's definitely a kill. Right. So I'm just like, if he had killed like ten people and like three or four of them were just like random people, I think that could have made the movie a little bit more intense and brought me back in to caring. Yep. But Nah, I was just like, just I was just like, it's just, it's like, like they were trying to make me feel things for a guy I basically could build no empathy towards. So, and uh, just a really quick thing because I don't, I don't really have much else to say about this movie. Um, this movie kind of missed the mark on what makes a classic narrative good or enjoyable, and that you know the hero or the antihero, whatever, what have you, has a journey. Whereas this didn't really, he just, he was the same he, character by the end of it. Yeah. He, so. he was on stage and being a piece of shit. And then he was just manipulating people behind the stage. So it's, it's like he was just, his character motivations were just happened to be displaced. They're placed at a wrong time and nothing changed. There's no development. Uh, I, I don't think there are highs and lows really. It's it's just kind of a stagnant character or a static character, and that's never good for a main one. Like this movie's trying to be an allegory for like child exploitation or for something. Of, I think it was going for a lot of different things. Like, ooh, make it. I fake. don't even know. I don't even know. Why is it and a then, doll, dude? No, and then why did it transition to a real girl? You know, I was like, <laughs> Bridget was like, oh, maybe they just didn't want to use child actors, and I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. And then they didn't keep up that theme, so I go, no, <laughs> they're just fucking weird and dumb. I think I think the directors probably have a reason for everything we're complaining about, but again, we don't, don't care. care. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we do, we don't care enough to watch it again to even make sure yep. we're wrong because no. I know I'm not. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, um, I I want to all my notes, nothing, nothing really. It, it, I mean, it's. It's kind of like older musicals, maybe, if you're into that. Maybe watch this movie. I'm trying to think of a, a positive outlook on which I could, you know, if recommend you like this. movies that are very avant-garde, very surrealist, very unique, and that could be in the realm of Gummo, where it's, like, weird psychological unique, or it could be, like, um... You ever see any of those like old like seventies like uh, European movies where like everyone's just like fucking? Well, I watched a couple for like this film class I took in college, so like they're just like weird like art housey movies where like it's just like a lot of silence, a lot of still shots of like nude people not doing anything like gross or crude, but just like you know painting with their bodies, shit like that. Like people just tripping on psychedelics and everything's like an allegory for sex. Yeah. It's not necessarily yeah. psychologically crazy. It's not like, you know, this is a murderer. This is like giving me weird vibes. It's just like exploring some novel thing. If you like things like that, you might like this. But if you literally like normal ass movies and are a normal ass person, you're going to hate this shit. This shit's awful. Yeah. If, if you're a fan of that one, um, what's his name? He's a surrealist director, uh, Alejandro. Uh, hold oh, we've on. talked about him before. Yeah, uh, Jodorowsky. Joe, I don't know his last name. It's like Jodorowsky. I think Jodorowsky. Yeah, 
Yeah, if you're a fan of that and you can actually watch those movies, you can probably watch Annette. Uh, not sure if you'll enjoy it, but that's the type of person you're going to have to be to even watch this for two, right. two and a half hours. Or it was a little over two hours, maybe? It was over two hours. Yeah, like 2.11, 2.15 like or something. Oh, I thought it was like 2.20s. What, well, whatever. It, it, it was too long, for yeah. sure. It could have been cut down by an hour. No yeah, one if, if it ended when Marion Cotillard disappeared, it would have just been a good movie, maybe. But <laughs> it decided to give you another half of the movie. And what score you want to give it? Hold on. Uh, it is two hours and 20 minutes. Too long. An hour and 20 minutes too long because I think the thing happened around 55 minutes or so. Yes. Um, let's see. I think we gave Gummo a true zero. We did. I believe so. So I'm down for somewhere between a one and a two. Yeah. Okay. We could give it a, yeah, a one five or a two. Yeah. Hmm. I want to give it a two just because of I do think the acting and the actors we're doing their job. Yes, I uh, my issue here is all structural and not anything that was actually done. Yes. There were no egregious like directorial decisions, I guess. There was no like camera work that I thought was too weird or cringe or like any of the editing, no like weird lap dissolves between every scene transition. Right, yeah, so just no no weird editing screen transition things, no again, like egregious use of the camera or sound design. Everything that was a problem was in the script. And again, in just like the decision making about what this story was. Yep, 100%. Actors and all the crew did their job totally fine. If anything, I enjoyed some of the camera work and I enjoyed some of the screen transitions and some of the set pieces and all that. Like the forest on the stage, that was really cool. That was actually cool, right? When she, like, walked out, and then it just, boom, she was outside. Yeah, and, uh, like, uh, the dissolving at the beginning where, like, it was, like, four scenes being dissolved on top of each other. I really liked that. I didn't didn't really care for that. Uh, But, yeah, I yeah, I uh, won five out of ten from the worst critics. And will that be episode 46? This is episode 46. I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this has been episode 46 of The Worst Critics, and now not under construction. Uh, join us later this week on episode 47 of The Worst Critics, where we will be reviewing Lil Nas X's Montero and Clint Eastwood's Cry Macho. As always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm John Pino. And we're out of here.